Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Am I? Am I floating? No, this doesn't make any sense. How the fuck can a person fly? Wait a second. Wait, 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 Dad. What's the weather out today? It's fourteen and sunny. Holy shit! Holy shit! <laughs> no fucking way. Yes, I've never felt so alive. I'm free. Oh my god! Suck it, winter. You cold-hearted bitch. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a Disney movie. All right, give me some music. Give me some. Bring up the lights. Is that snow melting? I'm melting. Makes my heart melt. Are the birds singing? I'm singing. Are the douchebags wearing basketball jerseys? Yes, I am. It's spring, and I'm sprung, baby. excited today one word for you patio beers it's two words yeah yeah not not the way that i do it all right say it your way patio beers again patio beers <laughs> just one more time but now with a french accent patio beers just a weird just a weird guy guys welcome back to lace Direct, the podcast where i your host who can pull off june shorts not easy to do uh in the voice in my head everyone I, i've seen this guy in shorts you know he's doing the squat challenge right now and it's so needed like a big tall guy He's got these quads that look like two little dollar store chicken breasts in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> it paints quite the picture. Oh, I try. Uh, and that's also me, but the personification of my mental health. G'day, folks, and to Kyle, bad day to you. Yeah, that joke sounded better when we wrote it down. Yeah, m- m- like, majority of the things that we read up to. Uh, guys, before we get into things, I just wanted to let you guys know that the petition for Lexi Dakin um, that we were talking about on the last podcast that we've been sharing on social media um, hit over 25,000 signatures. Um, and we, when we initially like launched the petition and set a goal, it was just 1,000. So like, thank you guys so much. Um, I'm going to be following up with local MLAs and government officials soon, and we'll keep you guys updated on how that all goes. Yeah, understandably, we have to recharge. Um, this work can be draining, and we want to be able to be at our best to represent Lexi and all those who are um, fighting for change and who have been failed by our healthcare system. Yeah, we're not taking our foot off the gas um, because we want change just as much as you guys do. So for everyone who has supported Lexi's legacy so far, um, the fight for change continues, and uh, we promise that we will do everything uh, that we can to be at the forefront of that that was a pretty funny intro this week yeah you think so eh well you know gotta give credit where credit's due to me me. what i wrote it dude is that a joke i wrote it we were talking about seasonal depression seasonal affective disorder like that's yeah but i'm the one who's like i'm mental like that's more my my wheelhouse so it was obviously me like i'm the one presently here i'm just gonna i'm just gonna pretend you aren't serious and i'm gonna thank our listener charlotte for the incredible idea that, that I, I used, used to make, to make this intro. intro. Dude, you're impossible. Oh, hey, look over there. You, you slapped me. Yeah, you're me. Come on. So you, you slapped yourself. Well, I mean, I don't know. Kind of, I guess. It was... I clapped by myself in my room. 
I guess that's kind of the just a weird, weird guy. Sure, whatever. Uh, Charlotte wanted to use her shout out on the podcast to challenge you guys to give someone in your life a hug uh, and let them know how much they mean to you, which is like, again, we've had a lot of really sweet shout outs on the podcast lately. So, I, I mean, thank you guys for that. Yeah, I'd hug you, but you smell like paper towel. I, I have no idea why that's off-putting, but um, yeah, uh, paper towel, that's disgusting. Uh, if you guys want to get a shout-out on the podcast, all you have to do is follow at Life's Direct Podcast and at Morsey on Instagram and answer the question box on our story leading up to the episode that week. It's basically just Kyle siphoning your ideas um, so he doesn't have to think of them himself. It's engaging our audience. Yeah, you know, it, it's like they say, potato po plagiarism. It's not plagiarism, we give them credit. I know, I'm just busting your uncreative unoriginal hump <laughs> oh, amazing man thank you keeps me humble that's what i'm here for yeah really really important job you know that really is uh speaking of oh you want to talk about transitions speaking of super important jobs this week's guest just so coincidentally has a has a pretty important job himself um because of the incredible work that he's done in the world of mental health overseas specifically in the middle east uh but before we get into it sponsor time baby this episode of life's wreck is brought to you guys by tether the men's peer support social network that connects men with a community who just gets it. Honestly, I'm part of the community too uh, and love how it's become a part of my support system. So go download uh, Tether today in the Google Play or the App Store and start connecting. And on to our guest today. We met our boy Ali Salama back in our Ryerson days. You know, good old Rye High. Um, honestly, I mean, I-, I was blown away by the depth of the work that he's done within the world of mental health. And, and we literally mean the world because he impacted people from like like probably almost every country at this point yeah the the guy is the wearer of many hats i mean just listen to this ali is a full-time podcaster social entrepreneur keynote speaker and the middle east mental health ambassador back in 2019 his team founded empowermag.com the first mental health magazine in the middle east which ended up winning harvard's top seven most impactful social initiatives in 2019 and earning recognition from the world health organization over the past two years over the past three years, he has been given mental. Over the past three years, he has given mental health in the Middle East a stronger voice, developing a user base of seventy thousand plus followers for Empower Mag. Ali also hosts Empathy Always Wins, the world's exclusive youth leadership and mental health podcast, focusing on empathy and community building. Ali, welcome to the podcast, brother. How you doing? Yeah, well, I'm feeling really excited because I'm getting to see my family uh, tomorrow. Oh, that's amazing. I'm flying to, to Dubai and uh, it's been a while since I've seen my family. Of course, in the lockdown, it's been very difficult. Yeah, I've been making content, been growing, been doing a lot of stuff. But mentally, it's, you know, I'm a human being. I don't see people yeah. at all. So it, I'm really, really, really excited. But also, um, also feeling like, uh, you know, uh, a bit, uh, a bit overwhelmed, you know, with a lot of yeah. stuff happening. So it's a mix of both, but I'm very happy to be doing this podcast because I feel like speaking with people is is so therapeutic. Uh, dude, absolutely. This has been something that I always kind of say that this podcast is just as much for me as it is for my listeners and for the, you know, the people that I'm interviewing, like just to be able to sit down and have a good conversation and, and kind of like learn more about another person and kind of get to get a little bit more information about them. It's, it's just the best. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's honestly like, um, the same, I, I, I can, I can uh, follow up on your words. I have a podcast myself, so I really feel this feeling and thank you for mm-hmm. having me. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. As I said uh, before we got recording, like I've been, you know, ever since we connected, I think how long ago was that? Was that oh, I know it was was in my third or my fourth year of Ryerson. I can't even remember. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been over a year for sure. Yeah, easily. And we met at a uh, we met at a coffee shop. Ali had I, I think you had reached out um, when the podcast is for, had first basically started and, uh, you know, you'd invited me to, to meet up kind of thing. And, uh, and yeah, it was one of those things where after talking with you for an hour, I, I was just like, I know at some point I got to have this guy on my podcast because your, your experience and your story that has led you up to this point alone is, is incredible, let alone what you've done with it. So I'm, I'm excited for this one, man. Really? Yeah. Thank you. And yeah, yeah because when i when we met at aroma it was like aroma by yeah, 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 yeah. I lived right there yeah i remember that, that that time we met uh i was very lost you know where i want to take my next mm. steps and 
you know, things look a lot different now, but it's, it's, it's certainly very refreshing to be speaking to you again and, 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 and kind of reflecting back on, you know, what, I, what I've learned and what, what, what works, what doesn't. And it's, it's a humbling experience. So definitely, yeah. definitely love to take it sort of from the right from the top. Dude, let's do it, man. I want to, I want to share your story with my listeners. So, I mean, I, there's not really even much to preface. Like I would just love to hear in your own words, your, you know, your experiences, your story, what led you to, to start empower and, and kind of embark on this mental health journey. Yeah. Well, you know, like yourself, I did attend Ryerson. Um, I attended the bachelor's of commerce program. Uh, I, uh, majored in entrepreneurship and innovation. Um, though I, I did come from the middle East, I did do high school in, um, back home and uh it was just a very hard experience and i also want to give the background that i was a professional swimmer so i swam at the world championships in 2014 i moved here this september 2014 um there are so many changes that had happened and at school there i was the captain of the water polo squad the swims the swim squad was a private british school and you know there was a lot of provision. There was a lot of care around sports and physical health. And I was also a, a soccer player. I was on the A team. I was on the starting 11. I really cared about being that locker room boy, athletic, super, super healthy. Um, mm-hmm. And it's safe to say, I didn't really believe in mental health. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I, w- I don't think I would ever, if I never moved into Canada, I wouldn't have ever been the person I have because I don't mm-hmm. think until you struggle and until it, like the major shift that I've taken in my life was because of the major shift that I hadn't realized existed had I not mm. fallen into that pit because it changes your life, right? Um, Absolutely. So when I came here, I was, uh, I just couldn't really adapt too well, to be honest. I won't, I'll just keep it there. And I just got, I, I mean, now it's what, six years. And when I meet, you know, my one or two friends that I've made here that are super tight, um, I didn't make friends for the first four years. Let's just put it that way. It was that mm. tough. It was that tough living by myself, connecting yeah. with people, allowing myself to be vulnerable with people, letting my guards loose. I was just so intimidated by the city, even though mm. I looked so different on the outwards, right? Anyone would see me would think that, that I had it all together. I, I really didn't. I really didn't. Um, Man, that's like, that's the case so often. That's my, the case in my own story is like from the outside looking in, you're like, oh, this guy must have it all together. Look at him. Like, you know, Scott plays all these sports. He does all these cool things. But then it's like on the inside, you're like, damn, man, this, this is like really tough. Yeah. And that's the, that's the facade that I think men have to experience. And that's Mm. again, that's, that's why I do what I do. And, um, you know, I, I got diagnosed within like 18 months of being here. Yeah. With clinical depression uh, and, uh, and uh, an identity crisis. And I, I think that, you know, a couple of days of me living, you know, my worst days, I thought of things I never would have ever imagined to think of. I was really scared of my mind. And sometimes mm. this experience of being afraid of yourself, of, doing something stupid or silly mm, yeah. is, is, is very tough, especially when you come from a background where you were literally like the person who was, you know, the star of uh, this, the scene or the star. Of the yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I, uh, yeah, it, it, it may, it humbles. It's, it sounds like a lot. It humbles <laughs> you. It makes you realize how fragile we are, even at our, best you know Mm. and um yeah i've always been an emotional guy i never really um showed it you know i safe to say even at the last year of my high school i I won the talent show for singing a song uh so i've always tried to channel emotions into music into singing Mm. because that's where i i found my my sort of uh, solitude and power Mm. i think through the voice it's it's Mm. very very powerful instrument when you can absolutely so and podcasting is a great tool i mean what you're doing is a great example of that um but yeah i just didn't have that 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 support that i feel like is necessary to have when you're recovering or healing so i made a promise to myself while i was on that journey recovering my mom was a really big champion of that she was the one who encouraged me to you know it's okay to seek uh 
to go counseling, seek help. Um, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I, I just did a, I promised myself, I, I, and I kept that vow that I made. I, I kept, had a vow that the moment this is all over, I didn't know actually when it was going to be all over because I had seen darkness day in, day out. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though you're told, hey, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, I, you don't believe that in the moment. You don't, you're like, no way. You don't see that, but you just, sometimes you just have to hold on to that the faith that someone mm. gives you and that's that's the importance of having a support system and investing in one before you need them right um, oh 100 man for sure there yeah it's, like it's so other- important yeah oh yeah sorry i was just gonna say like that's hugely important i mean i can i know that when i was going through like the the you know the kind of like the the really nitty-gritty of like the mental health stuff it was like you know i i had those support systems but i even like even when i had those support systems i still neglected them because i was like i was like no i don't want to like burden anybody else with this like shit that's going on in my head yeah and then all of a sudden it's like once i started to actually lean on those support systems i was like wow like this literally makes like such a huge difference to know that your your parents are there and they're not going to feel you know feel bad because you feel bad or your friends are going to be there to support you like it's it's huge it's everything yeah and like yeah i want to touch on that as well as, as guys we have to be able to build meaningful mm, support systems absolutely, right? like, for sure talk about feelings before we need to talk about feelings you know talk about um just simple mundane things like why this girl broke your heart like how do you feel uh you know do you feel like you're healed are you able to take uh, on the uh, or embark another love journey like these simple mm. things that you may think oh man that we're boys uh, of course uh, you know you, you, yeah, and, yeah, yeah and yeah. then you and then you um you brush it off that that's not good enough because you know mm. w- whatever is unhealed keeps appearing back into your life again and again one after the other if you don't invest the time and if you don't have the courage and vulnerability uh, courage to be vulnerable and share that vulnerability so sometimes mm it's so important. That's the lesson I, I've learned to be able to just be really raw and damn honest with myself. Cause the moment I, I, I feel like I'm too big is the moment that I'm going to be yet struck with another, uh, another obstacle that I'm going to fall. Over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's just the thing is it's like, I don't think that like, and, and I've got a follow up question after this that kind of, we're going to take it back. Cause there's an area about that you talked about earlier that I want to touch on. Um, but yeah, like, you know, the the biggest thing as men that I don't think we necessarily do enough in the, and the thing that makes me the most proud as to what I'm doing with the podcast is literally just last night, I had my Instagram live that I always go, I go live every Wednesday. And I had one of my closest childhood friends, he came on and we talked about mental health, like, you know, just me and my buddy. And we had a, you know, we had a couple of drinks while we were sitting there on this live. And we just kind of chatted, just like had this casual conversation amongst friends. And, you know, me and him, we were captain of sports teams we were you know this that and the other back in high school from a small town and oh excuse me and now we're we're just sitting here talking about mental health and it's like it doesn't have to be this big scary intimidating conversation it's like you guys can just just chat like talk like boys do you know have your have your fun and kind of poke around and joke with each other but it but you can still get like real um Oh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Like real issues, you can bring them to the table, and you guys can work through them in a way that's not intimidating. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it, of course not everyone is able to do that because it's a it's a societal stigma that's still right. in the process of being um, you know uh, reformed or transformed. Uh, in a way, like I, I really refrain from using shattered and all these, and, and I do use them at times, but right. I also try to use words that like have a lot more of a positive reinforcement um to them because i feel like you know especially as men where we're so we we want to be champions we want to be we want to win we want to we want to and and i find that you know in my especially middle eastern culture you know i've tried a lot of things and messaging and i uh i found that to be a little bit successful and i feel that that's something i've learned along the way but circling back to our discussion like yeah man I, i i promised myself that I would change or I would do something. I didn't know what that something was. It ended up that, you know, I started a page called Break the Silence Egypt. It was an anonymous submission form. And overnight, it really took off in Egypt. It was, I, I believe it was a swipe up form on Snapchat back then. And I found mm. like media from Germany, Cairo, you know, Abu Dhabi reaching out to me. Wow. What's going on? Like, do you have data? 
the form really took off. And when I say took off, I mean, overnight got 178 like essays in Arabic and in English. And those are the people that had the courage to write an essay. Some yeah, yeah, yeah. Went there. And I think that, you know, I wasn't great at the time. So I gave myself another couple of years, uh, two years back then. And it turned out that the magazine was what I wanted to sort of launch to have an ecosystem and a, and a platform that could educate people with cultural relevance, you know? So mm, say for example, yeah. back in, in Egypt or back in the Middle East or back in, in the UAE, relationships are different. Uh, people mm. are different. Uh, household dynamics are different. And by the way, in minority communities, the traditional communities, they have different ways of going on about life. You know, they're a little bit more conservative. The, mm. the, the typical issues that cause mental health challenges um, are different. So I just decided to open up a, a culturally sensitive yet English magazine that just mm-hmm. uh, was was aimed at, you know, Middle Easterns living all around the world. And that's the thing too is, and, and you know, I, when I look at the website and that kind of stuff, it's like, you don't have to be Middle Eastern to, to get the content. Like the content itself is so incredibly valuable just uh, on its own. But yet it is, it is so funny that you talked about that because it is nuanced in in the in the approach like there is that that when you're reading it you're like i can really understand how this applies to a very specific demographic although it applies to a lot of different demographics it's still focused in just that little bit which is what i love about it so much because it's like you can read it as a guy who grew up in a white super white picket fence town in in saint stephen new brunswick canada or you can read it as a, a you know someone in the middle east like it doesn't matter who you are but yet you still get those little bits where you're like that's an interesting perspective that I would have never thought about because of my upbringing. Exactly. And you know what? That's what I always talk about emotional intelligence, uh, man. I think, you know, the, to be the most effective leader, I think to be the 21st century um, leader that we need to see, uh, you have to be culturally intelligent, especially in a country like mm. Canada, where you have, I'm not talking about Middle Easterns, I'm talking about other communities. You have, you have Black people, you have Indigenous people, you have uh, mm-hmm. people from all racial, sexual orientation. You know what I mean? Like, there's mm-hmm. so many different um, uh, groups, communities that we need to be able to be cognizant of. And, of course, you can't please every sort of uh, community, but you can be empathetic and you can understand where they're coming from so that when they voice their concern, you're able to understand exactly where they're coming from and what frame of mind they're using so i think it's that i mean that's why my podcast is called empathy always wins it's a very 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 intentional um uh, mindset that i live and i think that's when mental health really becomes an apparent conversation in business and and not just in communities i think that's when we can see mental health actually translating into the business world having a dollar value and getting the businesses actually to invest to make that systemic change to have mm-hmm. not just more conversations but to have actual programs running in companies allowing people to become more more emotionally intelligent giving those mm-hmm. leaders in in management positions the training to be able to handle anxious and 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 mentally challenged employees that's how you change the culture right so i think Mm -hmm. that's where i see sort of my work um really translating um uh, and and of course you know going to the middle east i definitely want to build that platform uh bigger and and have it as a global platform not just a middle eastern platform as well yeah as somebody who you know for for my listeners who don't necessarily understand like maybe let's say like hypothetically the the differences that exist or something like that why you know we, we talked about it earlier and this was a big part of your story that we had talked about um when we met for the first time mm-hmm. uh and, and you kind of uh, you touched on it just just ever so slightly and i really want to get into it um was you know you talked about having an identity crisis yeah. when you got here uh and also talked about you know the fact that you were a, a, a world-class swimmer and athlete um and and i kind of want to talk about why you weren't able to continue being an athlete for a while yeah because that that part of your story i feel like is so you know it's such an eye-opening experience like it's such an eye-opening story for for somebody in my position because i hear it and i go like i it's just so mind-boggling but yet that's that is an aspect of your life coming from like where you came from yeah i mean that's a great question yeah I didn't. I wasn't into drinking, smoking. I wasn't into. I mean, I lived training seven to nine times a week, and like that was mm-hmm. my life. So coming here to university life, not having that system in place, 
feeling like, well, what the hell is going on? Going like to the mat, the Matami Athletic Center, uh, literally every day, sometimes getting my, you know, gyms, gym back to, I remember uh, the accounting class, the accounting mm. intro to accounting, ACC 100 or whatever course it was. I remember these memories so vivid because that was when I would run, escape, feel like I'm in an element or winning at least one hour of my day and feel great. But, you know, sooner or later that dies, that high dies. And you can't keep doing that, man. This isn't mm. sustainable. There's a reason why, again, I didn't have friends for the first fairly three to four years um, of my life here. Um, it was only last year of university that I actually made a friend and was able to have psychologically and sustain a friend. Um, it's something that, again, stems back to that identity crisis because when you're when you don't know, you know, what values you stick to when, you're, when you don't know, am I a bad person if I do this, if I go against this, or if I want to, and I was always a very, very, um, very firm believer in my values. I never, mm-hmm. I could never do something out of peer pressure. I would, I would, and that's the case. I had a friend group in Frosh week that I completely abandoned and I never, because I just knew I, if I was going to go in that route, there was no way. I have a very obsessive personality and I'm like, mm. if I go into one route and start indulging in things that I don't believe in, then that would have just simply not been me, Ali. So there's a, there's a positive and negative here, right? And I just couldn't balance that in my personality. And for everyone, for anyone listening who feels like that, that they can go into one excessive extreme or the other, I sort of learned that there's, there's no such thing as like, you know, one way or or another, there's always some middle ground and maybe not Mm -hmm. balance, but harmony. I think that's the word I truly, truly started Mm, to to embody. How can you have harmony to, to both sides of yourself and, and not feel like you have to be one person or the other. It's okay if you do great work, but have a night out and like smoke a J, you know, it's okay. You don't have to be a modeled perfect person. And that's, something that i struggle with perfection yeah it's yeah well i mean perfection's a a like it's a well number one it's an impossibility like it's not a thing it's not a real thing and i think that that's kind of a trap that so many of us including myself have fallen into in the past of like getting caught up in that like oh i have to be perfect and then once you finally get to a point where you're like oh yeah right perfection actually doesn't like i've been chasing this thing for four years five years i've been dedicating my entire existence to being perfect i'm like if i haven't hit it by now like i'm i'm a failure but then you really like start to realize you're like wow like chasing perfection really takes i feel like the the human aspect of humanity you know what i mean because it's like if you're gonna be a human like you're gonna you're gonna have flaws and i think that like if you're not if you're if you have no flaws you're like less of a human and more of like a robot yeah and 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 more so than 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 even that just focusing on the process allowed me to really uh, trickle down on on the things that actually matter. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. measure progress by, 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 by a perfect model or someone else's, um, someone else's success. And that's something that I learned actually in swimming. I, I remember my coach would always tell me in a 50 meter sprint or a hundred meter sprint, because I was a flyer or freestyle sprinter. It's like, Ali, if you look right or left for one just just for one split second you've lost your personal best in that Mm. 50 or 100 meter and when i see life in that perspective i'm like if you just even spend a minute or or a second thinking about someone else's journey then you're missing out on on your best life because your Mm, best it's a good way of looking at it your best life is yours for the taking Mm. and it's out there for you you have a journey, you have ups and downs, everyone has ups and downs, and it's everyone has 24 hours in a day. So your healing is your healing, no matter how long it takes, embrace it. Mm. Don't rush it. Don't rush you, you are the best thing that can ever happen. And I know all these things may sound like, oh, hubbly bubbly, but that's realization (laughs) that you'll realize 10 years from now. Yeah, no, it's true, man. I it's it is funny, because it's like, I feel like, the best and i've always said this that like the best gift that you can give yourself is like allowing yourself to live an authentic life and like to actually be yourself it's like because i feel like i didn't necessarily meet myself per se until i was like i don't know 19 20 because from the time that i was like 
13 up until I was literally 18, 19, 20, 21, I was just like completely, I, I just didn't necessarily, number one, I didn't love myself. I didn't know who I wanted to be or that that self-loathing was kind of there. And then I was just trying to be so perfect that I didn't know who Kyle was. So it took you know, so many years of my life to really like find out who I was. And then once you really like get to meet yourself for the first time, it's like, damn, this yeah. is like this. This is nice. <laughs> yeah, I dude. And then, you know, we have to be very cognizant that, that we, we always have that desire to fit in. So mm. um, but there's no such thing as I mean, the fitting into what? Like, what are we trying to do? Yeah. Like, what's the construct that we've built in our minds? So I think sometimes we have to challenge our own thoughts. And, and that's one thing I learned to therapy is not anything you believe or not, sorry, not anything you think is true. So oh, yeah, always absolutely. challenge, always challenge a thought, always not everything that you, that comes across your mind is a reality about yourself. You get to choose what you keep and what you throw away. And that act or that mere realization uh, is so much powerful when you even mm. act on it. So say, for example, you get a negative thought that says, hey, Kyle, I, I, you know, I, I feel very ugly today. And then mm. and then you constantly... It, it's true, but I mean, yeah. Sorry no, 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 no. <laughs> Screw that. So, so you, challenge, <laughs> you, you challenge that thought and you're like, you know what? I'm actually going to wear my favorite top today and I'm going to hang out with my friends you know mm. what? I'm actually going to have a freaking amazing time. And I mm. want that voice to tell me I'm ugly because every time it tells me I'm ugly, I'm going to look at myself in the mirror and be like, you know what? I'm showing up for myself and that is enough. And you beat mm. that voice mm. and you slowly but surely you start to realize that that voice doesn't pop, on, pop up anymore because you keep, True. you keep being that person that shows up for you. And that is unfortunately something we don't talk about a lot, but your inner battle or your inner competitor is you. You, you mm. have to be compassionate with yourself and understand that the way to move forward sometimes is to just go inward, right? Yeah, and, and yeah. Work on that. I, I think that it's 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 interesting too, though, because like we're talking about minority groups and you know different traditional values that people have been have been raised in. And one of the things that I've seen, I you know I've done group therapies before, um, and one of the things that I've seen in these group therapies is that people who come from these um, traditional uh, minority backgrounds a lot of the time that negative voice is actually reinforced by family or reinforced by traditions or reinforced by things like stigmas and and these these ways of thinking that are like really hard to break so i'm curious like you know in the work that you've done how how do you go about breaking that cycle if you've got maybe a little extra to that bad voice, it's not just you saying, oh, you yeah. look ugly today. It's it's you and your mother's voice or your aunt's or yeah. your grandmother's voice also saying it. So like, I'm curious how you start that healing process when you've got a little bit more baggage on the back end. Yeah, I mean, that's again, that's a great question. And I, I'll circle back to having great support systems. So for example, mm. you know, you don't have to, reinforce that to yourself and be like hey kyle i look great today but if you're if you're around those three people that you choose to call family and they have a very positive or an open space then you will start to choose whose voice to pick right but if you're mm -hmm. constantly in an, in an environment where that negative voice is predominant then of course you know it's just like eating mcdonald's day and night mm, you will start true. to feel so damn yep. bad but if you have that outlet where yeah you can eat mcdonald's for one time a day but you're making it up with a bunch of like you know antioxidants and taking all the vitamins <laughs> yeah. out, you know you will eventually yeah. feel you know that effect so i don't know if this analogy helps but in a way definitely choosing your environments definitely helps but we have to be very cognizant here because Minority communities have gone through intergenerational traumas, right? From generation Absolutely. to generation. So yep. the best thing I would tell anyone listening to us that comes from a minority community, such as like the Middle Eastern, the Far East Asian, the whatever, even the Aboriginal or the, you know, the, the Persian community, whoever's listening to us, is that the moment we start to blame our parents, the moment we start to have resentment, but if we can really be super empathetic, if we can really be super empathetic and understand that they seriously don't know any better, then whatever mm. words that used to hurt us, 
will automatically turn into a very, very, very understanding uh, uh, response to us. It's kind of like your younger brother, like telling you, hey, you know, you shouldn't do that when he really doesn't see more or see mm. the view that you're seeing. So in my case, I'll tell you one thing. In my case, my father, for example, isn't such a, he's not a very vocal, emotional person. But mm. I used to think that this guy never loves me or this guy is mm. never there. Right, right. But growing up using that notion, I started to realize, well, he doesn't really typically express love like that. Or the what he does that I think is very X that I hate he doesn't know any better. So I will give him the benefit of the doubt because I love him unconditionally. And in mm. doing that and practicing that day in, day out, you start to, even though be bothered, you start to really come at it from a very empathetic and very uh, mature perspective that you mm. certainly carry yourself differently walking into the house. You know, when you have that feeling that you're being, that someone's like saying a criticism at you, but you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. okay, bro. That's cool. And when you carry yourself like that, your energy changes, your life changes, and then you start to actually approach your parents or the people that see you differently or, or create that inner voice inside of you in a very different manner. You start to actually ask them, hey, well, that, how are you feeling that today? And then they start to be like, what? Like, you're, you're, how are you responding to me like that? And then you start mm. to model the ideal person you want to see in your family and all that stuff. Yeah, I like that. I love the the you know, marrying the idea of the empathy and, and really understanding because it's true. And I, and I understand like that it can be so hard to hear that kind of stuff. Like it can be so impossibly hard to hear somebody that you do love unconditionally, you know, not show up for you, I guess. But yeah, like the, you know, the things that they were passed down from their parents and their parents is, as you said, it's, it's generational trauma. It's, it's tough, but then you have to be a cycle breaker, essentially. It's real. And like, dude, oh, 100%. I'm not saying that everything, that anything I'm saying here is easy. This took like years of dude, absolutely. day in, day out, like seriously going against horrendous, like, you know, resentment towards people. Yeah, dude, I talk about that. I would love to hear like what, you know, when you first started to talk about all this stuff, when you first started to put out this kind of mental health content, like what was the, what was the reception like? Yeah, it was of course like, what, what are you doing? Like it was, of course, it wasn't met with what's met right now. Like now it's kind of a bit like glamorous and, you know, people who, who now hit you up and be like, Hey, I'm proud of you. But like, that wasn't mm -hmm. the case back then. The case back then was what? like are you yeah. serious like are you talking openly about it like aren't you scared that you won't ever get married or you won't find right. a job or someone's gonna look down at you but the most empowering thing in life is taking that thing people held against you and making that what really allows you to lift yourself and you lift your head up really high that is when mm. you know what you've done in life is is change something for good. And mm. that is what I've always had in mind. I've always wanted to make sure that, you know what, when I started out, yeah, that was definitely going to be met with. Some, but I really believed in, 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 in being a, a, a voice, especially for men in, in the Arab world that have toxic masculinity, like destroying families, destroying mm. the livelihood of like friends right, of yeah. mine. And I wanted to be, uh, you know, I wanted to show hope. That's it. It's very absurd to say I want to be an example. I don't want to be an example. I want to just be, be. That's it. I want to be yeah. someone who is just free to be themselves and express themselves emotionally and still be seen by leaders and, and be, you know, s still have equal weight on the table and not be seen less than because I support uh, equ gender equality or because mm. I support things that many people simply don't pay attention to i think those things are important i think the more we vocalize our voices and the more we show up as as men with values and integrity that is what's truly going to change the world yeah yeah it's a great way of putting it man it, it is it's i mean can would you mind touching a little bit more on that toxic masculinity that exists in in your culture a hundred percent i mean when you're afraid to show your emotions when you get penalized for that growing up it almost becomes a an experience where you have to find other means of communication or other means of acting to to vent out or to escape right 
I mean, there's nothing more powerful than speaking about how you feel with no sense of judgment from the adversary. That's it. Mm -hmm. So when you don't have that, you start to bottle things up. You seek drugs. You seek working out. You seek a better body. You seek external things that fill up a void that simply will always be a void because they can't fill that void without doing it. Right. So, uh, yeah, it, it exists. And unfortunately, like it's sometimes reinforced by women because it's the culture, right? Women sometimes are brought up that this is the norm, but this yeah, isn't. Right. Like, true, true, true. Even though like, I'm not trying to be controversial here, but a large part of the me too movement in Egypt that I heavily support you know, sometimes you find women against that movement and you're like, what is going on? And sometimes right. it's kind of like the Stockholm syndrome, right? When you're, mm. when you're captured and, and, and your, your capture convinces you that, you know, they're your best friend and that right. you kind of get where I'm going, right? Yeah, I, I do for sure. So, so it's very important to be cognizant of, of the system and of why the system happens, but not blaming men and not blaming women, but but but, but mm-hmm. actually empowering people to see what change looks like. Because you can't just say we want change because change is very painful. It's very mm-hmm. hard to, to make change happen. But what's very easy is to influence people towards their desired result and get them to, to behave differently in a manner that executes that change. And that's what I'm sort of going forward uh, by sort of, the mental health movement that uh the the empower is bringing forward yeah well i mean like that's the thing man is, is you say that you know you don't want to be an example but it's like you know you are one of the soil and and i granted i'm not speaking from a place of i know a ton of people from all over the world and all this kind of stuff but it's like you know from from the people that i've met through this podcast and through being in this space like you are somebody who is driving a very important conversation in a part of the world that necessarily that i i think needs that conversation because you're going to see a lot healthier people come out of it if they feel like they have they feel like they have the agency to be able to express themselves. And I think that you and empower and what you're doing is especially at the age that you're doing it, because I think that that's the other thing too, is you want to talk about like a cycle breaker, or I like talking about cycle breakers. Like, you know, you're, you have the opportunity to educate the next generation of middle Eastern of indigenous of, of the black community. Like, you know, that's what that's what I see when I see your content is an opportunity to to change younger culture, which in turn changes culture as a whole as that younger generation like grows up. So, it, you know, it, it's it's pretty incredible. I would be remiss, man. And I and I if I didn't have you talk about um, the traumatic experience that you had when you were you were younger, um, you know, when I had said earlier, earlier um about the identity crisis and that kind of stuff, like, you know, the, the, I guess, assault that happened against you, uh, while you were in the Middle East when, uh, when you had a, a man stab you. Yeah. <laughs> to see that adversity and then to see what you've overcome to inspire this next generation of change is mind boggling. So pl- I would love if you, if, if you're comfortable to share sure, that story. Sure. I, I actually forgot about it. Like, uh, I forgot about, you know, again, like you certainly don't keep tabs when when you overcome. Like it's it's not how certain sort of I go on about things, but yeah, I, I guess something leads to another. And I, when I was fifteen, I, I I got stabbed. I got stabbed right in plain sight. Um, I can't put it in any other blunt way, but it was a very very challenging experience because, again, I was uh, I was. <laughs> as an athlete I, I was bigger so than many, other yeah. people my chest was bigger i was a, a built fly swimmer i eat yeah, you, know, yeah. You, you, you look a certain way and then uh, all of a sudden over some bs argument over a girl that started on social media and someone wanted to flaunt their wings and told hey don't get into a fist fight with that guy that it was cool to just use a weapon and you know it's it's stupid sometimes to to think that we were that young and some people wanted to 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 showcase their that toxic masculinity that 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 that, that, that rage that 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 sort of dominance in that manner it's so messed up absolutely messed up i don't i I can't even think about you know how messed up a generation or, 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 or a young person 
could be doing or acting that way. So, but yeah. it was definitely something that haunted me for sure. Like I, I didn't, I didn't have a relationship, an intimate relationship all through high school. I would go mm-hmm. down, I would leave my school bus every day after high school to go train in the gym to look even fitter and better and stronger. And now right. looking back, I definitely see some links between some traumatic experiences for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can't even lie about that. Was I making up for the fact that I got stabbed or the fact that I, I felt weaker after that? hundred uh, percent. Did I admit it at the time? Absolutely not. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, like back then I didn't even admit to any mental struggles because you know, I was with my family. I, I, I could have, you know, gotten over. I was kind of like, sometimes you don't realize you need healing until you're just by yourself and you just can't have any support to lean on. And yeah. that is when you're like, bam, like everything needs to F off and I need to focus on healing. And I think, you know, a couple of things happened in my life. That was one of them um, that led to, you know, me being a little bit more susceptible to actually calling my mom, telling her, Hey, I'm mm. falling apart. Yeah. That's a very tough call to make uh, when you're friendly yeah. by yourself. A hundred percent. Well, that's the thing is it's like, it's so hard to, to take that first step for a lot of people. I feel like that, you know, it's, it's like anything, you know, you got to walk before you run, but like just taking that first step on the way to running, which you could talk about, you know, running is the equivalent of talking about your mental health openly. It's like taking that first step is like not easy, especially when you have all these pressures going on around you, whether it's from your family or your friend group or society or your culture or anything like that. Um, How would you advise somebody if they were really man, they were really feeling like shit. They were feeling terrible. They just, they, they needed to get something off their chest, but they just don't necessarily know how to take that first step. Like, how would you advise they go about that? Well, definitely first thing I'd say is, is, is just take a really deep breath in and understand that like, seriously, it's okay to feel like shit. Yeah. It's okay to, to, to feel like, you know, people who have seen you at the top of that mountain to to see yourself in an otherwise state to admit mm-hmm. that even when you're a high performer it takes a lot of balls it takes a lot of courage it takes a lot of yeah. guts so that's the first thing because when you admit it that's when you're able to then take that next step which i'm about to say which is um find the most find the person you're most comfortable with and ask mm-hmm. them if they have space to just have a conversation because Mm-hmm. You really, really, really need to talk with someone you highly trust and rely on and make yeah. sure that that's something that they can provide because not everyone can provide the space when you need space. So that's something you, I would definitely recommend. And the third thing is, 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 is I, I also highly recommend you document how you feel um, mm. when you do Huge. that, when you do that, like, Hey, I, I may be a very big person into journaling someone else might be like ali like i hate writing my feelings that's okay open your voice recorder and see how you feel listen to yourself i want to i want you to be more comfortable with yourself it sounds so stupid at the start it sounds so mundane like what the hell Mm -hmm. man like no for real yeah yeah but trust me i want you to see how you're going because sometimes my mom, you, Kyle, my best friend, my dad can tell me you're doing great when I feel like crap. And it takes 100%. for me to see that voice recording on day one versus that voice recording on day 10. And you will feel how damn greater you're doing, how that progress is. Sometimes that seeing is believing. So do that, please. And I think that that is, of course, with professional help or with investment in those that that's what i would definitely say mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's it's a great it's such a great way of looking about it i love the documenting aspect of it i think that that is just such a such a key part of mental health as a whole is documenting how you feel because yeah it's true like if you're you know i'll use my analogy again of the of the taking the baby steps and that's that's hard to do you know you take that first step it sucks but if you and you know you take that first step and you continue to take steps 
And then all of a sudden you're like, you're, you're so focused on just taking one step at a time that you don't take a chance just to look back and see how far you've come. And I think, and I think that that's what keeps a lot of people going is being able to have that, you know, just, just that reflection of like, Oh shit. Like, wow. Like I can't believe that a year ago, you know, and this is a, this is something that I can use in my own life. It's like a year ago I was miserable and I was like, I don't even know if this whole life thing is that great. And now all of a sudden it's like, you know, I, I look a year in the future and I started a podcast and I get to talk to incredible people, people like yourself and I'm happy and I've got better relationships with my friends and my family. And you're like, this is, I still have bad days, but where I was a year ago versus where I am now, it's like, it's so nice to be able to look back. Yeah. I think Kyle, like you've said one thing and I really want to reiterate that again. And even I actually practice that day in, day out. Like I was asked by my mom a month ago, Hey, are you excited to come see us? And I answered mm-hmm. in that way, mom, I am, but I'm really not thinking about it because I have yeah. one month and I'm in a lockdown. And the more I think I want to get out of this place is the more miserable I'm going to get. So you know what? Please don't ask me that question until like we're two days away from my flight because I want to live every day by day. And that was before mm-hmm. I got verified on Instagram. That was before I... I yeah, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. But like my point was... I actually, that was a moment when I realized I need to focus on every single day and give my Mm. every single day, my 210%. Because Mm. if I'm not living my job, if I don't have a job and that was my goal, then I am going to make sure I send 10 letters or make 10 LinkedIn connections, get on a call with two, start seeing different opportunities and make sure I squeeze every single last drop of that lemon every single day. But that Mm. allows me to write every day how I feel because the more action I take, the more, you know, despite the result, the more empowered I feel. So sometimes that is the thing that keeps me going. And you know what? That's exactly the thing that if you're struggling mentally, Focus on self-care every day, no matter how mm-hmm. that feels. Put boundaries on your, your social media usage. Mm. Put a daily construct that allows you to feel the best you because that is, I think, the best piece of advice I wish I got because until then, I, I actually felt different in my life. Uh, and that you could use it in any different context. If you're a high performer, if you're someone going through a struggle, as I said, healing takes it your it takes its own course, its own time. You're, it's different. Please don't compare yourself to others and please live every mm. day to the most that you can live. And by most, I don't mean productivity. I mean the most to you, you can be. Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy that you said that last part, the not like not every single day. And I'm a huge believer in this. You know, we're both working on building brands and, and you know, changing the the world of mental health. But yet there are still days where, you know, my my big thing, I love football. I'm a big football fan. You know, it's it's my and, and I take, you know, my Sunday afternoons. I usually I don't schedule any calls and I, and I take it as a time just to kind of like be around family, friends, watch football, completely veg out. And it's like and I don't feel bad about taking that time because not every day to be to be successful needs to be productive yeah there's a fetish around productivity and 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 working and and great way of putting it it literally is yeah and that's so not true like the past two days for me have been no work no nothing and i couldn't feel better and you know i I think the most important thing is active rest and by active Mm. rest that means you actively rest you don't just rest by just disconnecting your phone but your mind is working no you actively rest knowing that if you want to produce better work, you really have to like zero everything out. You have to, yeah. you have to consciously tell that person, Hey, look, I'm not taking calls right now. And the more you set your boundary with someone, the more that they treat you with respect, because that's just the way you go is the, it's just a reciprocal way people look at you. Right. And the more you're strict mm-hmm. on setting that boundary, the more the world will be, you know, respecting your own space. And I think it's so important to put that out last thing before we end our show. Yeah, man. Well, okay. I got, I got two more things for you. If you got the time. 100%. Awesome. So the first thing I want to know is how can people connect with you and how can they, how can they, you know, check out the incredible work that you're doing? So definitely on Instagram, uh, predominantly on social media, uh, Instagram and LinkedIn are the two platforms that I use. Um, definitely, if you'd like to connect with me, definitely feel free to connect 
uh, via LinkedIn on Instagram. I, I definitely find it a bit now harder to manage DMs, mm-hmm. but I always, always, always reply to LinkedIn connections always. Perfect. And then the, uh, the second thing is at the end of every episode that I do, I love the, the guests that I have on to put forth a challenge to my listeners, something that they can implement into their, their day, their week, their month, their entire life, uh-huh. just something, something that they can do or, or think about, or just anything that they, yeah, anything of that sort that can just make their life that little bit better, make them a little bit happier. And, and in all of your experience in everything that you've done, I would love to, to hear what challenge you'd put forth. Yeah, I definitely put a challenge for all our guests to write a a mission statement and a vision within that mission statement for themselves to read every single morning or or every single night. Mm. Uh, I find that the more it is personal, the more it is written in a smart um, goal-setting way, the more that it doesn't have per se a time frame but the more that it is about the best you mm-hmm. the more transformational you'll feel and the more you, you will keep yourself accountable despite the distractions you face in your life that's something mm-hmm. i do personally i love that man. i know I, that's something I, I need to do as well but it's it's definitely something that now that you've put it forth i will do I, I try to do as many of the challenges as i can this is definitely one that i'm definitely going to make sure to get and to try to also write what you are willing to give in in return for the the things you want to mm. achieve so not just uh not just uh, what you want to become but what are you willing to put in to become this person so you know exactly what you need to do when you read that piece of paper every single morning or every single night that's amazing i i dude i can't thank you enough for for being on the podcast today and taking the time and and just being yourself man because you you really are man you're a you're a special individual and it's it's really cool to be able to uh to share this time with you absolutely kyle thank you so much i I really appreciate it really appreciate it Just two guys talking about changing the world. Yeah, Ali's changing the world. You're changing, like, clothes every two minutes. Yeah, Ali's such an amazing guy. Oh, he really is. Like, what he's done and built, like, at, at such a young age is incredible. Yeah, that impact, like, it, it's incredible what he's done. Yeah, absolutely. Harvard doesn't just give nods out to anyone. It really sets the bar high for uh, mental health advocates. Say. I'm going to stop you there because I already know where you're going with this. Uh, and I'm not I'm not going to bite. I don't, I don't, I don't take that... Uh, I don't take on that kid anymore. You know what well, I mean? Good for you. I, you know, I like to sprinkle in little uh, little tests into your life now and then. Keep you honest. Keep you on your toes. My biggest thing is I'm just happy knowing that there are people, um, and specifically youth in the world, who are going to make a difference because they've been inspired by people like Ali. It's pretty cool shit. Uh, do you want to hear my favorite part of the episode? Eager, eh? Of course. Yeah. You know, I'm a big keener. Remember high school? Yeah, let's not talk about it. Okay, so my favorite part of the episode was talking about toxic masculinity that exists within the world itself, but how it's more ingrained in certain cultures than others. Um, And, you know, we've been thinking a lot about toxic masculinity lately uh, and how it's affected us. Right. Well, I think Ali and and you and I are a great example of like what happens when you actively work to unsubscribe from that toxic masculinity um, and work on your own healthy brand of masculinity like i think a lot of men can really get caught up in the idea of toxic masculinity and that word toxic and just thinking that being a man is inherently bad um but once you kind of take that step back and you realize that it's just like the elements of masculinity the the perpetuation of violence and this like you must stick to a strict mold to be valued as a man that that kind of bullshit and obviously it's tougher to get away from that in certain cultures than others but even being aware of it helps bring well it helped bring you guys from where you were um which was at a really low low to now like at least speaking with people from around the globe and inspiring hundreds of thousands of people and you're doing this uh rinky dink production okay this is half on you but you do make a really good point man um as always the insight apart from that little dig at the end was solid um so thank you for that Guys, I want to thank Ali for coming on the podcast today. Check him out on Instagram at Ali Salama. That's A-L-L-Y-S-A-L-A-M-A. And while you're there, check us out on Instagram at Life's Direct Podcast and at Morzy. That's with three Ys. Just all around great episode. Absolutely. And like an, another one in the bank of great episodes. Um, and, uh, you know, as we go into this week, just remember, guys, that life's a wreck. And we'll see you in two weeks.
you? <laughs> Lizarak. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.